If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. So families were told, you come into the funeral parlor, and this is how we do it, and these are our costs, and pick out casket A, B, and C, and pick out cemetery A, B, and C, and this is how it's done. Families are now realizing you have the right to ask the questions, and little did we know that all of this stuff is our own rights as being the family of this person who has died. What do we need to know about the environmental impact of modern-day burials, and what are green burials all about? Given that our burial methods used to be environmentally friendly and green, how do we come to accept an environmentally harmful and financially costly way of running our funeral services as the norm? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. If you're not already signed up to our weekly newsletter with highlights from the podcast, you can do so at greendreamer.com. With that, you'll also automatically be entered to win our monthly eco giveaways. I'll share more information on that in our upcoming emails, so don't miss out. That's greendreamer.com to sign up. And now to our episode. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is the founder of Cornerstone Funeral Services in Boring, Oregon, where she's affectionately known as the Green Reaper for her green burial advocacy. Beyond her own work, she also serves on the advisory board for the Green Burial Council, which is the certification organization setting the standard for green burials in North America. And with all her expertise and experience in this field, she also wrote a book called The Green Burial Guidebook, Everything You Need to Plan an Affordable Environmental friendly burial. I honestly never really thought of the environmental impact of burials until coming across an article on this recently and also through this conversation with our guest today. I mean, I don't know what you knew already, but I learned a lot and hope that it's an insightful conversation for you as well. So without further ado, Green Dreamer, starting with what inspired her passion for the environment, here's Elizabeth Fournier. 
think as a small child, I was always pretty disgusted that people would just naturally and casually throw garbage out the window while they're driving down the highway. I remember watching Iron Eyes Cody, who was the the Native American man on the horse and that commercial about not polluting and really not doing those sort of things. And I thought, yeah, this is amazing that people even think flicking their cigarettes someplace, you know, bushes the street or something is the way to go. So early on, I thought we should really be doing something a little bit different out here to preserve our beautiful, beautiful area. And of course, it's been a journey, but what did your path look like that led you to becoming an eco-mortician and starting Cornerstone Funeral Services? So I became a mortician pretty much the standard way that most of us do. We either live in a cemetery, we live in a funeral home, and we go about the wrongs through various funeral homes. Pretty early on, I realized that the sales model, caskets and upselling and all, really wasn't where I was. I wanted to do something more basic, more family heart-centered. So fortunately, there was a tiny little funeral home that was already established out in the country. It was pretty much dying. It was a repurposed goat barn. The man who had the fantastic idea to have a real simple community family funeral home needed someone licensed to come out and run the place. I jumped at the opportunity. And as soon as I got here, I knew that I had full command of something. And I could do it any way I wanted. So I really sat and thought about that and thought, all right, this is my one chance to really make a mark. What do I want to do? And I realized not only do I want to keep my prices very low and be able to help families who are struggling, but I also want to use some of those earlier thoughts about how we don't care much for the environment and how we don't really need to be selling all of these metal caskets and be taking care of embalming with all of these horribly hazardous chemicals, we probably can do this a much simpler way. So that was definitely my thoughts. That was the initial part of my path. And I just sort of had to feel my way and go from there. And what gave you the courage to do things differently to think beyond what's widely accepted and practiced right now? The first thing that happened was early on, being the undertaker of Boring, Oregon, I received a phone call from a family that wanted to bury their loved one on their own property. They lived in an intentional community. They wanted to keep Wanda the Wanderer at home. And I had to tell them that I've only worked for corporations. This is something we haven't done, but this is something I want to help you do. And let's figure it out together how we need to make this happen. So after I made just a myriad of phone calls that didn't get anywhere, finally found somebody out there in the legal system who said, yep, you can go ahead and do this. We went ahead and did this. And that ceremony was so fulfilling for me on so many levels. And it made me realize it wasn't my calling just to be an undertaker. This was my calling to provide families a service that was simple. They did it themselves. It was ecologically sound. And this was great. So what encouraged me was not only that incredible, sumptuously full feeling, but I started receiving phone calls from other people out in the country saying, I think you're that girl that helped my friend. And can (laughs) 
help me bury my person in the yard? Or can you tell me who I can find who can make me a homemade casket? Or do I even need a casket? I started getting all of these questions and all of these concepts of can we bury our person in the woods or what can we do? And early on, I realized this is fantastic support because what I'm doing is fulfilling the need of the people I'm trying to serve. They're asking these questions. I'm trying to find the answers and they're coming back to me for more. So I realized that's as best as encouragement as you possibly can get when not only does it feel right in your mind, body and spirit, but other people are giving you validation over something you had no idea you even needed to be validated for. So you really became the go-to person for all things Green Burial. Yes, and it was very interesting because Boring, Oregon is really 20 miles from downtown Portland. And even though Portland is a mega hub of hipness and sustainability and forward-thinking people, the corporate funeral homes thought I was pretty nutty. They (laughs) didn't quite understand why I was doing something which wasn't going to provide me a monetary future or stability. They didn't understand why I was allowing people to really do as much as possible themselves rather than contracting with me. And other funeral homes thought, you know, this is just weird. It's a weird trend or fad and going green. Oh, you know, people are just kind of doing this because they want to just do something unusual, but this won't last. Mm. The neat thing is this has lasted and this is really a nationwide thing. And it's really going back to what we did prior to the modern burial and funeral industry. For sure. Well, I have to admit, I'm not knowledgeable at all about burials in general and green burials. So I'd love for you to walk us through what conventional burials involve in terms of the process, materials and chemicals used first, and then what green burials look like. So what modern burial looks like is you're going to have your loved one whisked off to the funeral home. They're going to have you come in and look at some packages and you're going to choose a casket, which has probably been shellacked or made out of metal or some hard wood or something very non-sustainable. You're going to have your loved one embalmed. So that way we can view them and have them look as lifelike as possible. Um, You're going to take care of whatever bells and whistles you need for this that they sell to you that you had no idea you even needed, allegedly. And then you're going to go off to a cemetery someplace where you're going to be placed into a grave liner, which will be at the bottom of a grave to protect the grave from ever having a memorial park that looks sort of uneven in the the land and the grass portion of it. So all of that is going to charge you maybe $10,000, $12,000. And you probably have not thought anything about it because you came in and the funeral director said, this is what we need to do. But there's a whole new crop of undertakers now who are really realizing that death can be a lot more positive than that. Families can be a lot more hands-on. Even if you want to use the funeral home and you want them to guide you through everything, the choice is yours if you want your loved one to be embalmed or not. And actually, there's a lot more eco-friendly chemicals out there, not like formaldehyde and formalin, things that we can actually use for preservation, different herbs for freshness, all of that. People don't always know this is an option to them. We also encourage families to have a casket which is made out of just some basic soft wood, 
something locally made. You can make something yourself. Families bury loved ones in shrouds, the sheet off their own bed. A lot of states allow you to do this in your own yard or private property. And then there's many, many cemeteries across the United States and Canada that do allow people to be placed naturally in the grave space, not have to pay for the expensive liner and not have to be embalmed and all these other things to happen. And so it's kind of nice how that can go full circle to really going back to what we did prior to the Civil War, prior to everybody being embalmed. We merely had our loved one at home, bathed them. We put them into some sort of simple handmade casket, something maybe even, you know, some sort of favorite quilt. And from there, took them down the street to the churchyard or to the backyard, laid them lovingly into the ground, broke some bread, had some quiet moments of reflection and went on. It certainly wasn't big business like it is now. So it sounds like green burials, uh, they're not new because this used to be the norm. How do you think we as a society came to widely accept and adopt a more environmentally harmful and more financially costly way of doing burials? Families who had loved ones pass away were just hearing this is what we need to do. And when the Civil War came, there were boys that died in battle. These boys needed to be transported back home. We needed to get them on a train. So embalming was invented. So with the advent of embalming, there was money to be made. There was schooling to be had. The boys went to school. And then rather than having the front parlor of a house be everyone's home funeral parlor, we now had a funeral parlor in town where you They were supposed to just be receiving a phone call when a body was no longer alive. They'd come quickly and whisk the person away. They'd take care of everything for you, and that's how it was done. So families were told, you come into the funeral parlor, here's your one hour to grieve and mourn and stand and spend time with your loved one, and this is how we do it, and these are our costs, and pick out casket A, B, and C, and pick out cemetery A, B, and C, and this is how it's done. Mm. Families are now realizing you can buy a casket off the internet, you can make your own casket, you can come into a funeral home if you want to dress your loved one, all of these little aspects You have the right to ask the questions. You can provide the own transportation for your person. Many states do allow you to do that. And little did we know that all of this stuff is our own rights as being the family of this person who has died. Mm. So this, it sounds like this became the norm just because people didn't really know what to do. So they would just listen to what we're supposed to do and then just follow those instructions. Well, sure. I think that's what we did with modern medicine, too. You go to the doctor's office and they say, we need to do this or here's your prescription and take this pill. And after a while, people were starting to think that maybe they should get a second opinion. And Mm -hmm. then, hey, maybe we should go to somebody who is alternative, who isn't trying to mask the problem, but potentially fix the problem and then go back to what we did before modern medicine, where we would touch different meridian points of the body, and we would do different sorts of healing. So kind of getting back to basics, getting back to nature, and really trying to be more sustainable in all way around to take care of ourselves moving forward. So it's just time to ask more questions and not take things as they have been. (laughs) 
Yeah, and you have the right to ask questions. I, my father was in his mid-80s, and he would only take advice from the elderly doctor in the white coat. And that's just what his mind frame was of how doctors look. And that's what medical advice is. And I think if people find that, too, with funeral homes as well, you go to the place down the street because that's where you're supposed to go. Somebody will come talk to you and show you a couple things and you're supposed to pick that. And you're supposed to be polite and not ask questions and not ask for explanations or maybe not interjecting your own thoughts or your own feelings. Because, again, that person is the professional and they must know everything because they're the professional versus hey, I can advocate for myself and I have my own rights and my own thoughts. And why don't we dialogue about this and really see if we can have a positive conversation? For sure. So what's something you feel like most people don't know about green burials that we should know? That there's one state at least in every state here in the country that allow a natural burial. Now, a natural burial is simply putting somebody into the ground which doesn't have a concrete liner. There are many cemeteries that are small, uh, little small memorial cemeteries and historical cemeteries, all of these tiny places that really are sometimes happy just to have somebody buried and someone to buy a grave space that they're not going to require any sort of a concrete liner. So not only are you saving the money of the concrete liner, you're able to place your person into the grave, but you also don't have to pay for an expensive casket. You can price shop online, you can build something yourself, and to be in a grave, there is no law that says you need to be embalmed. Also, there is not many cemeteries who will say you have to even be in a casket. As long as you are in something that can be lowered into the ground, that can be moved from the vehicle, many, many, many families go to their favorite fabric store buy fabric which represents that person and wrap them in it. And think how inexpensive that is compared to some sort of mahogany or some sort of, you know, 16-gauge steel casket. The money savings is amazing. And think how beautiful and how personal that is. It's just really amazing. And for you helping to raise awareness for green burials, what usually holds people back from learning about this concept or choosing this, uh, choosing green burials once they hear about it? The two things that I find the most that hold people back from wanting to pursue a natural burial is they'll say, oh, well, I don't live in a place where I could do that on my property, so I can't do that. You get that a lot. Or the second one is someone will say, well, that's kind of a hippie thing, isn't it? It's sort of like sticking it to the man and not wanting to buy a grave space and just sort of doing your own thing. And not true. A perfect example that I love to share is my father had a funeral and a burial not that long ago, and we were in a Catholic church with the Monsignor saying the prayers. My father was in a wood casket, which looked just like any other wood casket, but it was a natural casket. He was wearing biodegradable clothing, meaning he was wearing the wool suit college graduation. He wasn't embalmed. And then we went out to the cemetery. So that's a green burial, even though we went into a church, we had a service, we drove across town, we were in a standard cemetery. You still can keep it as green as you want. Shades of green is a really important thing to remember. And there's questions that can be asked. And even if your specific circumstance doesn't allow you to go fully green, again, you can always do something sort of green by 
not asking for cut flowers to come to the home, maybe a potted plant or even better, a succulent because such little water has to go into that. Mm. Or maybe if you're going to have memorial folders at a church or a celebration of life, you can consider using recycled paper. There are so many ways we can put our thinking caps on and try to do one step further to better the planet. So do you think green burials in general are often left out of the equation of sustainability or left out of the, the conversation? I think it's becoming much more of a rich topic. I think it's really entering into what we do. I think this has become very popular. Um, There is a mortuary school here outside the Portland area that had 19 students last year. 17 were female. So what we're seeing now is an influx of these young women in their 20s and 30s coming in. And that's a huge demographic of people who really embrace bringing their own cloth bags to the supermarket, really thinking before they buy things. The consumerism level is down. And all of the older funeral professionals, the men who are in their 70s and 80s, they're either unfortunately passing away because of all the embalming chemicals, lymphoma, cancers, things like that, or they're just retiring. So it's becoming a whole different world. Females are really becoming in charge of the funeral world, and we really aren't the good old boys club anymore. So talking about death positivity and talking about death cafes and getting together and discussing this topic, it's amazing how popular it's becoming. I've done my job for nearly 30 years now. And when I used to tell people I was in the funeral industry, they sort of would say, well, why do you want to do that? (laughs) But now when I say that, I hear, oh, cool. Hey, I saw this ecopod thing on Facebook or people start (laughs) throwing out all these nifty eco-friendly things they saw. And they want to ask about how do you recompose somebody or what is this thing? So it's definitely, definitely becoming part of the sustainability landscape. Well, not only are you leading this movement, helping to bring green burials back, but at your cornerstone funeral services, you're also a one woman operation. So I know people kind of just came to you and sought out advice from you. But what's been your biggest struggle building up this by yourself? Well, being one person's a little bit tricky. Um, I have a husband, but he's more kind of behind the scenes, kind of more the stay at home dad. But I still have the support system that way. You know, I can outsource what I need people, what have you. But I'm the person who answers the phones 24 hours a day. I'm the person that meets with the families. I'm the person who's there at all the burials. I'm only one person. So my hours stretch very long. Um, One part that's been tricky for me is your own personal self-care. I have goats. I pet my goats. So that's a lot (laughs) of my self-care there. But I don't exercise as much, probably don't eat as well. You know, things like that happen. There's always the give and take and the downfall. I'm very passionate about my business and very passionate about what I'm doing. But, you know, you give up a bit of a social life, but that's okay. I think that really, in the scheme of things, what I'm doing, I think, is just a little bit more important for who I am on the planet. Mm -hmm. So what kept you going during these moments where you felt like you were in imbalance? There is this saying I once read about happiness, and it says to be truly happy, you need to spend your time doing something bigger than yourself. 
And that's really profound if you think about that. If you're just kind of going through the minutia of your day and crossing things off and staring at the clock, you're just sort of, again, going through your day, frittering through. But I think that I'm constantly keeping my eye on the prize and I'm constantly looking at there's a bigger picture and I'm really just here, but this really isn't a part of me. This is really what's going on out there. And I'm a little cog in the spoke of all of that. So that's Mm -hmm. exciting. There's so much more I can learn. There's so much more I can do. There's so many more wonderful, beautiful people I can meet. It's been really, really a neat journey. And I think that's been really the inspiration for moving forward. For sure. And you've been at it for so long, for over 30 years. What are you most proud of having accomplished for sustainability with your work? Well, I think being asked to write a book about green burial has been professionally wise, wonderful. I, so many people had said, we're looking at your website, we keep calling you and we keep asking questions. And finally, someone said, can you just put a book together already? So I did that. (laughs) And it was really interesting to have publishers really excited about it. And so I wrote the Green Burial Guidebook, which came out a couple months ago. And I have people from across the world emailing me saying, I see this book, and I've got this question about this. And how'd you find out about this? So again, all the really wonderful conversation that comes out of it. But just the fact that it mattered enough that all this material is in one place because there was no other book that tells people how to go about it to save not only the planet, but to save the green in their wallet. So I'm really proud to be the person who wrote that book. And what is the biggest message you want to get out there with this book? I want to get out that death is hard and it's tricky and Ultimately, when someone dies in your life, you have to figure out what your new normal is. So you need to take care of yourself and you need to take it easy on yourself. The more you can have a conversation or pre-plan or even think about things before somebody in your life dies or before you die, the easier it is on everybody, regardless of what it is. My ethics as a funeral director are I'm here to take care of whatever somebody needs, regardless if it's in the natural burial scheme or it's standard cremation or they want to have a really modern burial at a modern cemetery. I'm not here to judge. I'm here to help them. So it's been, again, great. The wonderful people who've come through my doors. It's just been amazing. And going beyond burials, what do you think we need most to accelerate towards a thriving planet? Love. Love is the answer. I cannot say enough. Yesterday was World Grief Day. And just the awareness of saying something nice to somebody, somebody you know, you know somebody's going through something hard, pick up the phone and say something kind. And hey, even more points, if it's a stranger, if you see a stranger, someone you don't even know, not looking very content with life, just a pat on the back or a kind word, it just, it means so much to people. Yeah. So spread more positivity, spread more love. We never know what other people are going through. Yes, exactly. Well, coming back to you, what's an upcoming project for you that we can look forward to and support? I want to continue with my education on how easy it is to have a green burial and how inexpensive it is. And I'm enjoying 
the fact I'm helping more funeral directors move in this direction. Other funeral homes have called and asked questions for programs. I have had different cemeteries say we want to open up a natural burial section. How do we go about this? So spreading the word moving forward, it's just been great. Well, we would love to keep learning from you as well. So where can we find your book and follow your work online and on social media? Absolutely. So if you have interest and want to get more information about the book, I've got a website called thegreenreaper.org. And then my work website where I'm happy to answer questions for you, or you can find a lot of information about Green Burial is cornerstonefuneral.com. I love it when people follow me on Instagram. I'm Elizabeth Green Reaper. I'm also on Twitter. Um, I, I love it. It's wonderful. Again, the people of this planet never cease to amaze me with how wonderful and thoughtful they are. Before we go into our final five, I wanted to give you a quick update on the 2019 eco planners that I'm making that will for sure include 101 mental, physical, and environmental wellness quick tips, as well as all of our major environmental awareness days so that we can stay on top of our game next year. I originally wanted for these to be made to order, meaning printed on demand to avoid waste, like my current published book Thrive on Amazon. But due to the limitations of print-on-demand, I'm not able to do that for the planners, which was definitely a bummer for me because it's not as I had ideally wanted. But instead, they'll be printed as limited edition copies on Ford Stewardship Council certified paper and with soy-based ink, which I think is still pretty exciting. And just all the things I'm learning as I'm turning my mini passion project to life made me have mad respect for you, your eco-business, venture, passion project, side hustle, and sustainability, because I know that we have ideal visions for what we want our projects to look like, but I also know how hard it is to be absolutely perfect in every single step, especially when we're just starting out or have more startup limitations to work with. So I'm going to keep sharing what I learn as I go, but I just wanted to say that I appreciate you, everything you're already doing, and everything you're working to improve along the way. Not everyone gets to see that process, right? But I know you're doing what you can, so thank you for everything that you do. Anyway, now on to our final five. Let's power through. What's an uplifting social media account or publication you follow? The Good News Network. Good news all the time. Is that on the web or on? Yeah, you can follow it on Twitter. Good News Network. It's also on the internet. Good News Network. Perfect. What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? I tell myself that I am one small part of the world and there's a whole world out there. Mm. What's one thing you do for your health, either daily or weekly? You mentioned the petting goats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say my biggest self-care is probably petting the goats. I also do some scream therapy in my office, which is wonderful. And if I'm having a hard day, I put on John Denver. Thank God I'm a country boy. Cool <laughs> shades and I dance around like nobody's business. Amazing. What's one thing you're working on right now to live more sustainably? I am helping a cemetery in the north part of Portland, which has now become a green burial ground. We're going to have a huge fall harvest festival. It's called Historic Columbian Cemetery. So being a part of that and getting the word out about green sustainability, that is helping me live sustainably because I'm meeting all these other people who are a whole part of the cog in the system. What makes you most hopeful for our planet right now? 
I love the fact that the younger generation really cares, even though they love their cell phones and their technology. <laughs> these are not people that throw their McDonald's bag out the window when they drive down the highway. We have learned so much over generations. And I meet a lot of people that are so thoughtful. You know, grade schools nowadays have recycling in the classrooms. We learn about getting our pop can and putting it out on the curb. This is stuff that's just mandatory. We just inherently do this. When I was growing up in the 70s and the 80s, we were just starting to start this. So the kids nowadays really have it going on. And I think they're going to grow into pretty fantastic adults. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? Oh, keep dreaming green. Don't let anybody tell you what you're doing is worthless or silly. And love is all that matters. Love is all that matters. Green Dreamer, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find the two tweetable key takeaways from this interview, as well as links and resources at greendreamer.com slash 71 for episode 71. You can reach me with feedback on how I can improve the show for you through the website's contact page. And again, you can follow me on Instagram at Kamea Shane. That's K-A-M-E-A-C-H-A-Y-N-E. And finally, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.